This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I get fired up every day because I get to work with, with our guys. And uh, I get to see how smart and how much they just thrive on life and competition and, and just the greatness in which they bring uh, to my spirit every day. And, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I, I always wish that everybody, everybody could feel that. Uh, and, and that's what really the, our guys want, man. They, they want to they take this and allow others to feel it. We've got to be open-minded, open-hearted to do this. That is Andy Reid, Super Bowl winning coach. And this is an organization of the Kansas City Chiefs who, uh, with the Hunt family as ownership group, has been very forward-thinking in the past. And I think I heard somebody reference uh, how open they've been during this time period as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kansas City could lead the way. Uh, You know, we have had so many of these discussions in the last couple of weeks, and, and I, I don't say that. I hope I don't mean to say that by like, okay, we've had enough of the discussions. I don't think we have. Uh, I try to be very careful with my word choice in that. Mm-hmm. I think the discussions have been so powerful. All you have to do is listen to the last 20 minutes with uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. And we have tried to balance it with sports discussion, but you, you do keep coming back to some topics and some talking points about how do you advance it. And we just mentioned briefly that the Jaguars and Shad Khan had met with a bunch of players over Zoom in the last day or so mm-hmm. about what to do next. Mark Long tweeted about it, and uh, there were a lot of players on that call. And isn't that another good sign? Like, we have to continue to see things. Like, it's so easy to have a conversation with uh, Maurice Jones-Drew and then, okay, let's just go talk football again. Yeah. Uh, but internally in the organizations – it's so easy to do that, too, because your job is to play football, right? No, for sure. Your job, again, we've had these talks, is not to change the world necessarily. Yeah. But you certainly can use the platform to help change. And I think it's a, an interesting balance right now. I don't know how to verbalize it as much as I, I wish I could. But I think it's a, an interesting balance of what's going on in organizations and the football side of things and these discussions on going to what we can do next. Because in my opinion, man. The Jags have been front and center with this, even if they're getting the attention for being or not. They have done a lot of good things in the last week with the Black Lives Matter movement and 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 just change and being a catalyst and, and being a leader in that group. And again, they might not get the credit. We talked about that earlier in the week. That's fine. Yeah. But now they have to continue it. Don't just have a week where that is the case. Continue to be on, on the front line of this with a minority owner, with some impassioned players uh, that have delivered powerful messages. And I would say a guy like Leonard Fournette, if he wants to take that, he has a bigger platform than anybody else has on that football team because he's he's more transcendent outside of Jacksonville than anybody else maybe outside of Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. So it, it's good to see these discussions going on. And, and Maurice brought it up, too. I don't know what's next. I don't know how the action continues, but I think they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, first of all, obviously with an organization last year where, you know, we kind of, we've kind of grilled them on, in terms of communication, right? There's just a lack of communication on the field. There's a lack of communication in that stadium, in the front office. And obviously, you know, the game of football right now and just what's going on with life is two completely different things, but it can kind of mirror each other a little bit. And the fact that Shad Khan has kind of taken upon himself to have these Zoom conversations, um, to hear from his players a little bit, to get his thoughts. I mean, listen, 
Shad Khan's just as big of, of an ambassador, I think, to, you know, to what's going on right now to this cause, just like Drew Brees is, is going to be, you know, Drew Brees has been obviously calling out, um, with the Donald Trump and everything like that. I mean, like everyone, everyone has their role to play. Okay. And, and I don't want that to come across the wrong way, but everyone can have a role, Brett. Like, you know, most said when you, t- you talked about where you covered the event. That was huge, man. Just you know, get it, the, the fact that we're getting the the word out that the Jaguars players organized a protest. That's huge. Now, should it have gotten more publicity from like the national coverage? Maybe, and we've had that conversation before. But everyone's got their role to play. But the most important part is realizing that, right? Because I think right now this game is way too big to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. So it's great that the Jacksonville Jaguars are stepping up. And let's be honest, if they keep on stepping up and keep leading with action. That's contagious, and other teams in the NFL will be forced to take notice because they don't want to fall behind, and they're worried about their optics as well. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of like the pioneer right now and the front runner. Well, in that regard, I'm uh, going to continue the conversation for a couple moments because we didn't get to this yesterday. I wanted to. Richard Sherman said this, the San Francisco Chronicle, about Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones especially has no problem speaking up any other time about anything else, but when it's such a serious issue, he could really make a huge impact on it with a few words. His silence speaks volumes. Uh, you know, if you take it back to a couple of weeks ago, I remember saying, hey, listen, remember we were talking about the Jags. All right, is Shad Khan going to say something? The Jaguars going to say something? Yeah. And we came in on a Monday, that hadn't happened. On a Tuesday, that hadn't happened. We anticipated something was coming. I, I could tell something was coming. And it happened on Wednesday. So it took a couple of days, and that was even after Saturday and Sunday protests. And you had some words initially about this whole thing, even on Friday. So some time had passed. And so the point was, well, listen now, th- there's not a timetable on this. This is a, a long thing uh, uh this is a long movement a, a battle a, a change i i think it's a little unfair to say hey if you don't have uh, your statement in or or what you're going to do to change the world in the by three o'clock today well that, that's that's a little too much at least i thought sure i wonder if it is by now fair to say okay jerry jones you are like well, america's team yeah you are he, Richard Sherman's not necessarily wrong. You do speak out a lot. You're the guy in front of the Mike Morse holding the head coach. Mm-hmm. Is where is Jerry Jones a fair question right now? Has it taken too long? So I want to do a social experiment here. Coos, this involves you, man. I got a question for you, Coos. How many NFL owners can you name right now? Probably two, maybe three. And who are those two? Obviously, Shad Khan and Jerry Jones? Yeah. Okay, obviously, Shad Khan, because we covered the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's an easy one. And then Jerry Jones. Why Jerry Jones? Let me ask you that question. Because he talks a lot. Okay, thank you. And that's exactly my point here. I have no problem not calling people out. You know, I think like we've been over this before. Everyone has a right to say or to keep quiet if they want to. But when it starts affecting your personality trait, then it becomes a red flag. The reason why Richard Sherman is calling out Jerry Jones right now, the, the reason why I think a lot of NFL players, including his own teammates right now, are looking to Jerry Jones to say something because he's always the guy that craves the spotlight. When Ezekiel Elliott was trying to get his contract done and he was sitting out, Jerry Jones had no problem going on a local radio station saying, Ziku, all right? So Jerry Jones craves the spotlight. Jerry Jones is all about getting his voice out there in the airwaves and saying what he has to say. So the fact right now that Jerry Jones hasn't said anything, well, he's going against his personality, okay? He's going against who he is, at least in my opinion. And this is where I guess some of the frustration comes from with guys like Richard Sherman, where it's okay if you don't say anything. I get if you're an owner and you just want to keep your mouth shut right now, that's fine. 
but you've never been that guy before. Okay, you've never been that guy that be, is quiet about anything. You're very outspoken. So the fact that you kind of chose to just remain silent while this whole thing's been escalating, while Roger Goodell's coming out, while Shad Khan's doing his thing, well, right now your silence, if you're Jerry Jones, speaks volumes. So I think that's where the issue is, is that he's going against his personality right now. I think it's an interesting spot for teams and ownership groups and everything else. If you want to come out with a statement, then you come out with a statement. If you want to do what the Jags did and say, hey, we're going to take our time with this because we want to think about what the right thing to do is, and we're not going to sit here and say, hey, by the way, we're thinking about it. We'll be back. You don't say that. Mm-hmm. Well, then they did. I mean, there were there were some s- sincere steps made that have been powerful in this city. Forget about beyond, but at least in this city in the last week, I would say they took the right steps and taking an extra 48 hours to figure that out was probably well planned and well done. This has been a while. I mean, it's now been, a, I would call it 10 days or so. And so if Jerry Jones is working on something bigger. If they're trying to make the right move and kind of see where the where things settle and what they can do next and not just be a statement or a million dollar check. And I say just I think everything helps, but everything um, helps. I maybe that's going on here. I also think. I, I think it's fair to criticize him. I, I really do. I think it's fair to wonder. I, I also think it's uh, I will go back to what I originally said. There's not a time clock. There's not a clock on this. Uh, there, There is if he comes out in the next day or two, are we going to say he came out just because Richard Sherman called him out or was he going to come out anyway? Um, I, I Again, I don't really care how we get to good and, and all that stuff. Sure. Get to good is part of it. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, Dino Babers, the head coach at Syracuse. I think one of uh, I think I read 14 black coaches in America in college football. Hmm. Hadn't said anything. Mm-hmm. The black coach in America at Syracuse mm-hmm. at a big institution hadn't said anything. And I read today that his players essentially begged him to come out and say something mm-hmm. like they wanted him to say something. They wanted to you know, I, I don't know if he was being highly criticized for not saying anything, but it's a man with a big platform. He is. Uh, and, but uh, to be fair, and, and wasn't saying anything. I've heard a lot of sound bites from him, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I mean, the, the, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, 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 I don't know much about I, the I guy. I don't even know if it's apples and apples. I'm just saying yeah. it's some people take more time to true or, or other motivation yeah. to it's uh, again. I, I think it's important not to put the, the world is not going to change whether we like it or not mm-hmm. in a two week span. No, I understand that. I guess my big point, though, and once again, the Syracuse coach, I don't know if he's very outspoken or not. I've never heard him really say anything in terms of sound bites. I've heard Jerry Jones talk all the time. And I've heard Jerry Jones kind of just fly by the seat of his pants and say whatever yeah. he wants. Okay, so like, but maybe he doesn't want to do. Is it fair to say he doesn't want to do that right now because it's not a fly by your seat? Well, maybe issue. he doesn't want to do it because he, he does. You know what he has to say, people don't want to hear. Well, maybe uh, and that's to, fair to enough. Fair. Like I said, okay? I think so, it's fair to criticize him right sure, now. I do. Sure. I just like to think around the whole story on it. No, I understand, and I'm just telling you like where I'm coming from. I just think that if you've always been this outspoken individual, regardless of the topic, and all of a sudden, you know, three, four weeks go by, and you're it's all quiet on the Western Front. Well, then that speaks volumes. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and and the connections are there. Um, you know, where he uh, there were some reports that he threatened to uh, bench players who kneeled during the mm-hmm. national anthem years ago. So, uh, yeah, I think we're waiting. 
I think uh, what will Jerry Jones do? I mean, I'm not saying it's just as important as the commissioner saying something in the NFL. The shield is bigger than even Jerry Jones. Sure. But I do think a lot of people know what Kuz just said. Let's, Jerry Jones is a powerful player yeah. in the NFL. Listen, you, you have all this energy, and you have all this energy to be candid and say whatever you want. Don't lose it now, man. Yeah. Keep being yourself. We're waiting on you. You know, like we're not calling out. Every, I mean, at least I'm not calling out every other owner and saying, "Well, you know, where's this guy? Where, you know, where, where's Snyder and and um, uh, well, he's not with the. I think he's the GM. Where, where's Snyder in Seattle? I'm not calling anybody else. Yeah. I'm just calling Jerry out because people know who you are because you know why you talk all the time. Why are yeah. you talking now? Fair enough. Uh, yeah. uh, by the way, uh, along these uh, lines, Tom Pelissero just tweeted the NFL is expanding. It's social justice efforts through a 10-year, $250 million fund to combat systemic racism and support the battle against the ongoing and historic injustices faced by African Americans. Uh, some, some initiatives and dollars being put to it. You know, I, listen, if, if I'm a black man in America, if I'm a black athlete in the NFL, I think my first response on a lot of these issues are like, well, thanks for finally listening. Sure. I mean, where were you? It's not mm-hmm. like you haven't been a billion-dollar business for a couple of decades. Mm-hmm. But then I do come back to, listen, I, I, we can't erase that, I guess. I mean, it took them too long. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if when we have changes and movements and, and things that are important issues like this, keeping a scoreboard is, is the right way to be. Right. Uh, I think it's our first reaction, uh, but I think it's a dangerous reaction, you know, to keep the scoreboard on it because, to me, that creates debate and – off-topic conversations and and let's stay on mission. So I would say I applaud the NFL for doing this. I I will just admit my first reaction is, okay, why couldn't we done this? Why would it even take Colin Kaepernick to to start that? Why why didn't we have this already in place to some degree uh, in in the biggest sport in the United States? And keep in mind, too, the NFL really hasn't, in my least view, hasn't really acknowledged Colin Kaepernick yet. They still haven't. I mean, they've said the whole protesting thing, stuff like that, but they haven't really acknowledged Colin Kaepernick. And I just feel, you know, to take the next step eventually – you're going to have to do that. That's you're you're going to have to acknowledge him. And that's an interesting one to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that you, you come from a totally different viewpoint on that than I do, mm-hmm. I think. But to me, Kaepernick and the acknowledgement stuff and, and it's not good enough unless you say his name or you apologize or you give him a job. I, I will just be honest with you and say I don't feel as strongly about that for this, what I just said. I don't think we should be keeping scoreboards and going backwards. You know, no, I agree. I, I, yeah. But if it means a lot to 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 black players in the league, well, then you should listen to black. What are we all doing right now? Right. What is everybody saying? Like mm-hmm. what are CEOs saying? What are commissioners saying? What are coaches saying? We're going to listen. We're going to learn. Well, if that's what the black athlete is saying in the NFL, they would like you to acknowledge Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed. Mm-hmm. Well, then I think you have to listen to it. I'm just saying for me, for this movement to continue for good to be done. I don't need that. Like, so, I don't need that. See, and, and me personally, I do need that. And listen, take take the fact if Kaepernick, while we're playing the NFL again, okay, take the skill set out of it. Does he have the skill set to compete as a backup quarterback right now? I have no idea, okay? I'd like to think that if he gets a chance, it's going to be fair, not based off, you know, his skin color. But I have no idea if he still, still has the tangibles to be uh, a backup quarterback or even a starting quarterback in the NFL. Not sure. I'm just going by history right now because, you know, when we had Maurice Jones drew on, um, you know, the, the the last segment, one thing that he was super passionate about, and I agree with him, is that history, you know, in, in textbooks and things like that, some things have been, you know, 
left blank and some things have been omitted. Now, whether that's some kind of inside deal, whether that's some kind of conspiracy, whatever it is, but that's that's fact. Okay. Um, I had no idea what the tall Tulsa, uh, you know, the, the Black Wall Street. I had no idea what that was until I saw Watchmen about a year and a half ago. Oh, I had no okay. idea about it until three no weeks idea. ago. And I felt bad, man. I'm like, where, where, where was this? Yeah. I, I had no idea, right? So there's some things. And that, by the way, that's sometimes like some of that stuff. I would say, shame on me. You know, sure. I don't. You know, I was reading about the Confederate flag and the NASCAR move, mm-hmm. and it got me today. This morning, I read it for about an hour and a half back on the Civil War. Yeah. I mean, that's where I've gone. I went from NASCAR, Confederate flag, read McGee's article on the Confederate flag uh, for ESPN, and it got me onto the Silver, Civil War to make sure I looked things up because, yeah, I remember a couple of chapters about it yeah. in history class. Sure. But should I know more? I mean, that's where we've been really to these last couple of weeks. It's It's been eye-opening for the white man as well, of I course. think, you know, the white person. Exactly. So so I think one of, you know, one of the big battles that's getting forged right now is obviously the history, right? And it's educating people on the history and what the those confederate flags mean what those you know those confederate monuments mean to some people okay and it's all about educating people we talked about it yesterday just to interrupt you real quick you know what the confederate flag meant to me as a kid from from growing up yeah uh and i'm just being honest with you it meant the dukes of hazard sure yeah i mean that's where i saw it like i know Mm -hmm. i I know that's the south but i mean Mm that's from a kid from rhode island sure i didn't yeah, know that much more than that sure. about the Confederate yeah, flag. And, and I was kind of in the same boat you know, for a while. Obviously, I mean, as you grow up, you yeah, learn yeah. more about it. I'm exactly. just saying, that's as a kid, that's how you're grown up. Sure. I, I associated with the Dukes of Hazard. Exactly. Yeah, so I guess, you know, my point of history, though, right, where if you don't acknowledge Colin Kaepernick and you keep his name out of your statements if you're the NFL, if you're Roger Goodell, well, then you're not acknowledging really the spark that kind of changed this whole thing. Right. And and you're not really acknowledging the history. And right now, you know, I think what a lot of the black population is trying to do is we are trying to educate people. We are trying to bring them up to speed, if you will, for, for those that want to listen. Well, Colin Kaepernick's a big part of history and it's not right not to acknowledge him. So that's why I feel like it's important to acknowledge Colin Kaepernick and to say, you know what? We messed up here. Obviously, we support the right to protest now. And, you know, back in 2016 or 15 or whatever it was, we didn't do it the right way and we're sorry for that and we acknowledge Colin Kaepernick I just feel like you have to mention him and you have to make him a part of the history or essentially you're doing the exact same thing what's been done for you know forever now we're we're trying to omit things that we don't want to talk about because maybe they're hard and you can't do that that's fair yeah uh, that is fair uh and and I think players are going to be heard on that front by the mm-hmm. way uh and and I'm not saying that's a bad thing uh I I just that's an interesting part of this discussion is that part of it. And uh, to me, it goes back to a little bit of the scoreboard, but you just said a, an important part of it. It more might do with the history of it and yeah. and kind of the, the documentation of it. Uh, one more thought on this, okay? And I didn't know we we're going to go this deep uh, today on it, but we got kind of into the discussions. And I, I wanted to bring this up because there was something that happened that, that because I think it wasn't the NFL mm-hmm. – uh, because sports are kind of coming back a little bit, because the protests, because there's so many different issues going on, whether it's in Jacksonville or beyond, it just feels like a lot is happening, and it's easy to lose sight of something. And and maybe not everybody lost sight of it, but I think it was a little bit downplayed. Torrey Hunter, great player for the Minnesota Twins for many years, said this on Golik and Wingo, 
a couple of days back. Hmm. I've been called the N-word in Boston a hundred times, all the time, from little kids and grown-ups right next to them didn't say anything. So I had a no-trade clause in everything I had not to go to Boston. Not because of the teammates, not because of the front office, because if you're doing that and allowing it amongst the people, I don't want to be there. Wow. It had a no trade clause to go to the Red Sox. Again, this came out uh, a couple of days ago. This isn't this isn't brand new wow. uh, in that regard. And very, I mean, a very popular player nonetheless as well. Absolutely, yeah, and a very good player. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, but I, what I thought is interesting. I just want to make sure I get this correct and 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 sharing it. So uh, just give me a moment. Here, here's what's unbelievable, maybe, uh, is the Red Sox came out and acknowledged that that was true. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that it was true, uh, what they um, what Tory Hunter said, uh, and and I didn't expect it to be this war of words. But then they followed with this this statement that came out in the last day or two, where we stand. It says I've been struggling to find the right words to express the profound anguish, outrage, and confusion we are all feeling in the wake of the heartbreaking incidents that have occurred across the country uh, over the past few years. I spent time connecting with many of you, listening to your perspectives. I'm so grateful. Uh, oh, this was from uh, Sam Kennedy, who consistently reminded the Red Sox have an obligation to amplify the voices of those who share our values but do not share our platform. Silence in the face of injustice is unacceptable. Uh, but th- that wasn't even the one I wanted to share. The one where they acknowledge that uh, racism, they have heard it. They have seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have seen it not only toward players but toward uh, employees. In wow. uh, in Boston, by the way, if you really look back at the history – they have a history of being labeled racist uh, from mostly the Red Sox, you know, mm-hmm. uh, way back. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could find the documentation of that's not something. Uh, but also, I think it was with the Celtics and, uh, and other teams. It just was that way. I mean, I heard that growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't I don't have examples of it, but you just heard that mm-hmm. that that black players might not want to play here. Yeah, I remember, so, yeah, I remember but, watching the, the ESPN 30 for 30. They kind of touched about that when it was like the Celtics versus the Lakers. And they kind of touched on that a little bit as well with the racism in, in Boston. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so it's interesting to hear a team like the Red Sox come out mm-hmm. and say what they did in, a, in the acknowledgement. Yeah. You know, they didn't come out and say, hey, uh, you know, we're going to. Uh, not wave these flags anymore. We're not going to donate this money. We're not going to the statement. We're not going to, we didn't write an op-ed. We're not all these things. They acknowledged the systemic problem that people are talking about. Mm-hmm. It's pretty powerful yeah. for an organization, especially the Red. I mean, this is the Red Sox, man. We're talking about the Red Sox. We're talking about the yeah. Yankees. We're talking about the Cowboys, we're the Packers, story the Steelers. Franchises, man. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a, it was a powerful, powerful uh, statement wow. from the Red Sox. Almost a sad truth. Uh, I guess as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the one I was looking for, by the way. It said, Tory Hunter's experience is real. If you doubt him because you never heard it yourself, take it from us. It happens. Last year, there were seven reported last year, seven reported incidents at Fenway Park where fans used racial slurs. Those are just the ones we know about. And it's not only players. It happens to the dedicated black employees who work for us on game days. Their uniforms may be different, but their voices and experience are just as important. We are grateful to everyone who has spoken up, remained committed to using our platform to amplify the voices to call out and justice there are well-established consequences for fans who use racial slurs and hate speech in our venue and we know we have more work to do this small group of fans does not represent who we are but are rather a reflection of larger systemic issues that as an organization we need to address yeah. i mean really really a powerful response to tory hunter yeah uh, and 
again, I, I think it's worth saying that's not to say, listen, I'm from the New England area. I hope I, I don't I'm a Red Sox fan. I hope I don't get labeled as a racist because I'm a, a Red Sox fan. Uh, I, I don't think people with common sense view it that way. Mm -hmm. But even in 2020, 2019, they had seven reported incidents. I mean, that should shed a light on it, right? And by the way, their biggest stars of the last 20 years, their biggest stars, David Ortiz, Mm -hmm. Mookie Betts. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just going to prove that point. Like, you spend your hard-earned money. And obviously you're a fan because you do that and you go to the games. So you go to the games and you're supposed to be cheering these guys on because this is your team. You spent your hard-earned money on it and you yell racial slurs at them? like Or you, opposition. Or, 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 or the opposition as well, sure. But like I, I just, I'll, I'll, I'll never... I, listen, I'm, I'm a dude who's pretty open to a lot of things and I can see the other sides of a lot of things. I can't come with anybody on this one, man, because I'll, I'll just I'll never understand that. Well, you, yeah. you shouldn't come yeah. with anybody yeah, on yeah. that. Uh, you've yeah. told us a story, by the yeah. way, some uh, similar with Tyson Aloalo, and you almost got uh, yeah, you, I mean, you know, uh, almost listen, went up in the stands. Uh, yeah, I uh, think that was in Oakland. Oakland, you said, right? yeah. Well, and it's funny because I had this this preconceived notion that Oakland's usually like it's an inner city, right? I mean, yeah. you'd expect a you know a lot of black people. Let's be honest, at the game, and we're going through warmups, and I'm gonna say I've told the story before, but we're going through warmups, and this guy just kept on yelling and yelling and yelling. And for whatever reason, he keyed in on Tyson Aluau. And you know Tyson Brent, you know it firsthand, he's the, he's the quietest guy ever. Absolutely. And he's one of the sweetest guys that you're ever going to meet. And I had enough, man, because it was racially charged not only to him, but also to me. So I almost, I, I tried to hop the stands and confront this guy. And Mel Tucker obviously pulled me aside. And obviously I'm emotional, you know, I'm a wreck. I'm like, well, you we just said this, this, and this. Like, and Coach Tuck, who's obviously a black dude as well, he's like, listen. That's going to happen sometimes, all right? Get it out of your head, or else I'm going to play out of the game. I'm like, okay. And, like, we just had to go on. Not not saying it was right, man, but that's just what we had it, to do. It, it you know? shows you kind of what when Marie had Marie Jones drew yeah. on. It happens sometimes, and yeah. you learn to live with it. Yeah. As And, and that's not right. And yeah. I think that's what's coming to light more than ever before. Um too late, obviously, but uh, it, it's happening in our country. Uh, all right, we're going to shift over to sports. I don't mean that saying, okay, we're done with that. Uh, we have continued these conversations. We will continue the conversations, uh, but we're also uh, talking a little sports. Golf is back. Where are some of the scoreboards? Uh, more Major League Baseball tonight, and some more Jacksonville kids could get picked. We'll talk about it on ESPN 690. With the issue, with uh, the racial issues going on now, I... And it breaks my heart. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an old head, so I'm, I've been around long enough to have seen a few generations, and now a couple, three different generations come through, including my own. And I'm, 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 I'm so happy. I'm so fired up about our younger generation, man. I mean, they are, they are taking it, and, and, uh, and, and they're attacking this thing the right way. And, and. Uh, I just think I, I mean, we have this great country, and these, these kids know how great this country is. Um, they absolutely know how great it is, and all they want to do is make it better. I can guarantee you football coaches didn't think they'd be talking about this. Sure. And 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 kind of having a bigger role than just X's and O's and winning Super Bowls and, and everything else. Yeah. It'd be really interesting, you know, organizational. That was Andy Reid, of course, Super Bowl champion, uh, Kansas City Chiefs head coach. Be really interesting organizationally how much – we brought this up kind of uh, the other day. How coaches, even if they don't fare that well on the field this year, 
how they'll be judged by their owner on how they handle this off-the-field movement situation internally in their buildings, externally in terms of their messaging. Be interesting. I, I yeah. almost feel like, hey, it's like if you're going to hire a coach right now, isn't that part of the interview process? Like, isn't that part of looking into your coach? Be like, hey, how will he handle yeah. these issues? How will he handle these discussions? How will he lead this group of young men? Kind of what coaches were intended to be in the first place, right? Through life, not just W's and wins on a scoreboard. It would be really dynamic to pick a coach right now. Listen, and I, I talked about it before a little bit, but this is probably one of the biggest years for NFL coaches that you could ever have because we talk about it sometimes where, yeah, there's great offensive-minded coaches, you know, Andy Reid being one of those guys, obviously a Doug Peterson, a Sean McVay, a Sean Payton. We'll see what Kingsbury can bring to the table. And there's great defensive-minded guys as well. You know, you got Bill Belichick and things like that. And, yeah, the X's and O's are great, man. But the job of a head coach, look at Pete Carroll, look at Andy Reid, look at Doug Peterson, look at uh, Harbaugh. You have to build the culture, okay? And right now, building the culture, of course, it's still football-related, but it's also obviously racial-driven now as well, right? And I think you're going to find out a lot about what kind of coach you have leading your franchise and is how well he can get that locker room to respond, not only on the field, but how they conduct themselves in society this year. It's going to be a big year, and the spotlight, I think, is going to be on NFL head coaches. Yeah, I think uh, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, let's shift over to some football talk. Uh, Tim Tebow was on a call with uh, CBS, uh, Dan Mullen and uh, Urban Meyer also on there and uh, talking about, hey, if you had to give the football to one quarterback, one college quarterback, you had to go make a play, you know, and obviously uh, Tebow was having some fun with it saying, well, I'm on the call, guys, you know, <laughs> but uh, it, it it was interesting context because of what happened with Reggie Bush. I thought this week were the disassociation part of the penalty, which quite frankly, I don't even really remember that. I, I remember the taking away of the Heisman trophy. I, I didn't, I guess it makes sense. I just didn't realize that that's kind of part of it. Um, mm -hmm. when all the penalties came down for USC mm -hmm. and Bush was stripped of everything, USC was penalized that they couldn't even like be married together Correct. at all. Well, now that's ended. They can. Uh, so, mm -hmm. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> welcome yeah. to. The, it's kind of a stupid part of it, right? I mean, it's so stupid. Like, yeah, okay, take the Heisman away. Okay, like, say he's that part of USC. Dude, uh, unless you have one of those things from Men in Black that can erase my memory, Reggie Bush will always be a Heisman Trophy winner to me. Yeah. Reggie Bush will always be a member of the USC Trojans to me. So you're not really doing anything by saying, oh, he's off the books, he lost his Heisman Trophy. You're just not. But bigger than that, it's almost like, hey, yeah, you can't walk on campus. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, so stupid. I know. I know. It's I mean, so dumb. Like you can't. In real, in reality, uh, how about from this standpoint? You're telling me over the last ten years, Reggie Bush 
maybe didn't learn what did go wrong or, or could have been a great example for USC football players on a Zoom call now or, or wherever else to, to say, hey, I'm going to talk to your football team every year about what happens, the decisions you make, you know, all those kind of things. He, Again, he would have been a great ambassador. He could have been, right? Yeah. Well, now he can still be. It's not like his. It's not like he's yeah. 85 years old. I mean, he could still be at that point, yeah. too. But hey, he's got a lot of life to live, and he's had a lot of experiences. He can now be. I just thought that part was interesting. I, I guess I never really pieced it together, the, the the disassociation, if you will. How good in your mind do you remember uh, Reggie Bush? And the reason I ask that is because if you talk to people that love college football yeah. and they see Reggie Bush, they are like – Here's my read on. I told you this the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like they're over dramatic about Reggie Bush. Don't Reggie break. Bush was oh, unbelievable. Oh, no. yeah, yeah. He was fantastic. Yeah. He, he really was. Mm-hmm. But my example to you was if you show me video of mm-hmm. Herschel Walker sure. in college okay. with Georgia. See. And I've seen it, and I didn't right. live it. I was three and four and five years old. I'm just glad this is this isn't a ranch thing like like with you know bird and everything in Jordan. Because if you would have said Larry Zonka, I'd have been like, okay, I'm definitely raising the red flag. Don't do but that no, to no, me I'm, right I'm now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Dude. I'm messing with you, man. But, uh, We're having some fun. But Herschel Walker, I look at those highlights and I'm like, holy cow! Sure. Yeah. I'm like, man, yeah, that yeah. is unbelievable. Like yep. it just looks like that is like. Tecmo Bowl with Bo Jackson. Absolutely. Right? I yeah. mean, that's what Herschel Walker looks like when you watch a run. It, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, again, I watched Reggie Bush. I, yeah. I mean, he was tremendous. But I also feel like I've seen guys smooth. I, I feel like I've seen them juke around. Maybe I kind of melded it together in my mind with, like, a Barry Sanders. I mean, so brilliant. Barry Sanders, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're going to tell me Reggie Bush was better than what I saw there? And I understand it's college to the NFL. I just feel like it's over-dramatized sometimes how good Reggie Bush was. Am I uh, losing my mind? You're losing your mind. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from here. And this is a, a story that I haven't really shared. I've told you part of the story, but I haven't shared the whole story. Yeah. I, I, okay. Tell everybody this, too. Well, well not, don't tell everybody the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, well, listen. Well, first of all, let's well, let's start from my childhood, right? Where um, it would have been my high school years when Reggie Bush was the dude, okay? And when I say he was the dude, he was the dude. Because, Brent, you have to remember the landscape at the time back in 2006, okay, back in 2005. It was kind of the creation of YouTube, okay? YouTube videos and highlight videos are still kind of, you know, in, in their infancy. One of the very first things I ever remember watching on YouTube, oh, there's a couple things. N- n- number one, it was my, uh, it was the haircut video. But the second thing I watched was a Reggie Bush highlight film because it was that crazy. Now, notice, go back the, to the haircut video. <laughs> yeah, um, my new haircut. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? No. My new haircut. Cause you know what I'm talking about with, uh, like the Italian dude where he's like, uh, I forgot what it's even called, but literally it's like this Italian, it's like a Jersey Shore guy, right? And he's lifting weights and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tricks with my new haircut. That was your first video. That was like my first video ever. Reggie Bush, sorry, you were second. Yeah, but but my point is, listen, no disrespect to Herschel Walker, okay? But I didn't see highlight films of Herschel Walker growing up, okay? Or when I was in high school. I saw highlight films of Reggie Bush. So off the get-go, he already had an advantage because he was like this YouTube darling, if you will. And then you remember just the highlights, the nonstop highlights. This guy rocking number five at running back. Like it was just everything he did. It seemed like it was fresh. 
it was innovative and it was exciting. Um, I forgot what game it was, but I remember like this screenshot of him or, or like this still of him where he jumps in the end zone and he's literally like sideways. Like he's, he's yeah, yeah, he's sideways and then he like lands it's on his feet. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense, right? So to me, that was like my introduction to Reggie Bush. And then now I saw like, yeah, he's probably the, the best great, uh, the, the best college football player of all time just because so much nostalgia comes when you mention that name. All right, now let's fast forward. I get cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 2013. Go to the Chiefs, have a cup of coffee with Andy Reid. We we had some uh, some fried food. It was fantastic. Thanks for the memories, Andy Reid. Well, then after that, I go to Detroit. Now, at the time, on the Detroit Lions, you know, you saw Kelvin Johnson, and you also had Reggie Bush. And I'll never forget. And I, listen, I've never really been starstruck in my entire life playing in the NFL. One time with Peyton Manning when he called out my name during that audible we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. One time, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers because yeah, I was playing at Lambeau Field and it's Aaron Rodgers. And the other time that I was starstruck was, and keep in mind, this is Calvin Johnson I'm sitting next to now. My locker is right next to Calvin Johnson. Uh, and that's unbelievable in this itself. Is a, this is a future Hall of Famer, right? Let's be honest. Future, probably first ballot Hall of it's Famer. Megatron. One, one of the best wide receivers um, of all time. And guess what? One of the nicest dudes of all time. I get in the locker room right away. Hey, man, you need some cleats? I got some cleats here if you want some. You see my like my signature cleats, by the way. He had signature cleats, and every cleat had a transform that came with it. I mean, how balling could you possibly be? But he's like, hey, where are you staying at? You need a place to crash at? Let me know, man. Keep me posted. So Calvin Johnson... Not only a future Hall of Famer, but one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. And I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. That's Calvin Johnson. But mine wasn't on Calvin Johnson. With all due respect to Calvin Johnson, I look across from me. Oh, snap, it's Reggie Bush. And, like, <laughs> that's where my mind went. I'm sitting next to a Hall of Famer, sure ballot, probably first ballot Hall of Famer. And I look across from me. I'm like, oh, it's Reggie Bush. He did a Kim Kardashian. He's <laughs> Trojan's husband winner, dude. The highlight film's on YouTube. Like, this dude's got it all. And he's sitting right in front of me. And, yeah, he's a good-looking dude. Spoiler alert. I'm just like, dang, it's Reggie Bush right there. So, like. That like dude, I, I was starstruck. That's and wild. Not only from his obviously his accolades of dating women, but uh, from, from, from his accolades <laughs> of playing at USC. I mean, like it's just it, it shaped my childhood that much. Where it's like we're, we're witnessing an alien in college. We're witnessing a guy that's not even human with some of the things that he's able to do. Here's what he did his senior year or his uh, junior year at USC. Hit by me the with way. it. 200 rushing attempts, 1,740 yards, 8.7 yards per carry, 16 touchdowns, another 478 yards receiving, two more touchdowns. Um, so 18 touchdowns in all uh, that year when he won the Heisman Trophy. I'm with you. It, they can take the Heisman Trophy and all that stuff away. I, I, I view him as a Heisman Trophy winner. I think most people do. I mean, yeah. again, people, one of the all-time greats in college football mm. for that season. Yeah. Is what is what people say mm-hmm. uh, about Reggie Bush, and, and that is etched in their minds, uh, almost to the point where, like, how hard was it for him in the NFL to live up to? You know, <laughs> I mean, the, the hype was way too strong yeah. uh, for him to to actually live up to. And you know what's funny about Reggie Bush? He had. I think if you ask people about their his NFL career, been like, ah, nah, yeah, it wasn't. He had a longer career, a more yeah, productive a career. career. <laughs> people would sign up for this career in a heartbeat, but it's almost because the pedestal had been put on that pedestal, the expectation that year coming off the Heisman Trophy, all that stuff. Yeah, that it, it, like he could have had 
15,000 yards, and and it almost wouldn't have been enough. Without a doubt, keep in mind how it went down, too, right? He was going to New Orleans, where obviously New Orleans had Ricky Williams at the time, one of the best college running backs. And then, you know, and then uh, years down the pipe, then they take Reggie Bush, I think, with the number two uh, overall pick it would have been. I forgot who went number one that year, but I recall Reggie Bush being number two. But I'll look it up for you. When you and, and you know, to listen, when we talk about the greatest college players of all time, and yeah, there's a lot of them out there. You can make an, an argument for a bunch of guys, right? Tim Tebow, obviously, you can mention. I mean, if you want to go to numbers, maybe like Johnny Menzel, whatever you want to say. But to me, like, what makes a great college football player and what puts him in the history books of arguably the best of all time is how much of a game changer he really was. Okay? Herschel Walker, pff, great running back. Can't tell me differently. One of the best running backs to ever do it. But do you remember how Reggie Bush went about his business? Because you have to think back to the clocks back in 2003, 2004, 2005 when he played for the USC Trojans. All right? The Alvin Kamaras, okay? The the Saquon Barkleys, the Ezekiel Elliotts, they weren't really a thing. And when I say they weren't a thing, the dual threat running back, the guy that can catch the ball and also run with the ball. Those were diamonds in the rough. No one was doing that. Reggie Bush was doing that. Oh, what's this? Reggie Bush going in motion, lining up in the slot? Excuse me? You never saw that back then. Like, to me, that's why it's such a game changer. Because the the, the the preconceived notion that you had about the running back position, Reggie Bush said, oh, very cool. Hold my motion, hold my cleats, and see what I do here. Like, yeah. That's why he's such an influential uh, part of the college football game, I believe. By the way, Mario Williams, uh, number one that year. Um, that's right. The... Uh, it made a lot of money in the NFL. And, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, what you said right there is interesting because if you go back to his college days, we're talking uh, 2003, 4-5, um, he ran 4-3. Like 4-3-3 is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And so nowadays, again, I always use like Ty as an example, right? 15-year-old Ty is watching the combine. He's like, hey, everybody's running 4-3, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, I'm, I know not everybody's running 4-3, yep, but you yep. get my point. Yep. 2003, 4, 5, guys didn't run 4-3. No. I'm not saying it hadn't been done, but guys didn't run 4-3. And much like Chris Johnson, running backs didn't run 4-3. Correct. You know? Yeah. Uh, because you're looking at more guys running over people and through people and stuff like that. So I think even in that respect, he was a game changer. What I don't remember, and you guys would know this better than me, was he on like, was he part of a video game that kind of put him in a different oh, stratosphere? Yeah. I mean, is yeah. that, did I'm that help sure. his popularity? Like, was it, what was it, what's the old college I mean, football? It, it, uh, 2014 would have been, been NCAA. The last college. Um, well, that would have been the last one, but what would have been like early renditions of that that would have featured like Reggie Bush? Did that help his, his oh, I mean, kind of cultural status, I guess, and, is my point. And keep in mind how it used to work. And I can't remember if he was on the co- – oh, he was. NCAA 2007. Here he is right here, Brent. Check him out. So he was. See, I who, thought – Who's that dude right there? Yeah. There you go. Okay. R- R- Reggie Bush. Because that oh, usually elevates dude, somebody. He had the, the, the eye black thing too, which yeah. was – Hey, Tim Tebow, John 316, go and take a hike. Reggie Bush did it way before you were. <laughs> Wait a minute, 2007, Tebow did it in those six. Oh, okay, well, well, no, but I'm saying back in 2004. Here you go, Brent? you got me. I've got to defend Tebow. I'm waiting for you, Tim. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, who, who did it first, Reggie Bush or Tim Tebow? I think Reggie Bush did it first with the eye black writing on it. 
I don't know. Okay. Well, regardless of that, Tim Reggie Tebow, Cullen, with, let hey, us know. With all the respect, I'm not, <laughs> listen, not trying to hate on John 16. Great Bible verse, okay? Not trying to go down that route right now. But once again, like another thing that you can add is just the guy did, did something differently, right? And NCAA 2007 and those football games, they were big, Brent. You know why? Because they even had Murray State. They had the D1AA schools on those games. Ah. Now, but here, here was the key about it. They couldn't obviously put the player's name in the video game, right? True. Because you, could, you know how that whole thing yep, went that's down. That's a whole little So, yep. but like it was so obvious, right? Because well, huh? Number five for USC is in the backfield, and there's a giant star around him, and he's blinking. What's up, Reggie Bush? You know, like you, you didn't do anybody any favors by not putting their name in the game. But like, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the video game definitely made a difference for Reggie Bush. That's uh, pretty wild, uh, Reggie Bush. By the way, starstruck once again. Reggie Bush in the Detroit locker room, Lambeau Field, and what was the other one? Uh, uh, Manning. Manning. Yeah. When he when he called out my name oh, during the audible. And an audible. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I like that. That's yeah. a good three. Coos, yep. um, by the way, every break we go to, you're talking about PS5 and you're giddy about it. What's yep. going on? They're just doing announcement stuff. Oh. <laughs> I don't know which one he's more giddy about, that or a Taylor Swift album dropping. <laughs> Definitely PS5. Could you imagine, though, Taylor Swift album dropping and PS5 announcement the same day? Oh. <laughs> Twitter shutting down. Hey, an hour to go and a lot to get to here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 6.9. Talk a little NBA players. Could we see a rift coming? Uh, MLB says 100% we're playing. Take that. <laughs> we'll have some baseball this summer. It's next on ESPN 6.90. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.